Awesome. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Stories Podcast. Today, I'm so thrilled to have a conversation with Jedediah Dinkins, which if you know me, you know I'm jumping off the walls right now, but trying to act like I'm not. Um, Jed, thank you so much for being a guest this season. Um, how are you doing today? How was your weekend? <laughs> um, you are an angel. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> and I'm doing great. i Watched the Super Bowl with my roommate yeah. and, you know, I thought hers rendition of America the Beautiful, I think that's the song she sang, was mm-hmm. so cool and incredible. It and Jasmine Sullivan yeah. is beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, I don't know anything about sports, so I yeah didn't have an opinion. I mean, it is, I will say, I do like when history is made and I mm-hmm. like when, like, Tom Brady being 43 is pretty cool like it is when you're old and still like the best in the biz is just cool. yeah he doesn't look he's... it either i can't believe he's, no, he's gorgeous yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so anyway i had a great weekend what about you good good i had a good one too we watched the super bowl but i called it um watching the commercials in the halftime show Exactly. Um, I don't even act like I'm watching the Super Bowl, but it was <laughs> That's when so we eat. good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was and so talk. good. I had a lot of dips from Publix. Do you have Publix where you are? Or have mm-hmm. you been to Publix? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm from Nashville and we have lots of Publix. Oh, that's right. There. Yeah. So we hit the Publix dips and mm-hmm. watched the game and it was super fun. So it was good. It was good. Yay. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, I was, so something that I do usually so I usually do this after the podcast episodes but I record the intro because I like to maybe pull some fun things that we talk about and and it's just a nice way to do it and so I was writing it out though before we got started like last week I think and usually this is when I'll say not the boring stuff but just like the more scripted stuff so like what the person that I'm interviewing is doing stuff like that and I was trying to do it for you (laughs) and I was like looking at the back of your book and I was like honestly, I don't even really know how to write out what you do without it just being a list of things. So I thought it'd be fun to ask you as the first question. Like if I was some random person off the street and I asked like, what do you do? How would you answer that question? I would say that I am a memoirist and a writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have side hustles that bring me a lot of joy, whether it's beta cups, um, mm-hmm. like reusable. Oh yeah. reusable um, products or working with wilderness um, which is a magazine Mm -hmm. but also like a company that goes on adventures that's run by a dear friend of mine Mm -hmm. and then also just like um, treating my social media almost as if it's a magazine itself and using Mm -hmm. it as a tool to both you know sometimes promote something to like pay my rent but also yeah like get messages and ideas and things I'm reading and things I'm learning out to my quote unquote subscribers. To me, that's mm-hmm. like a fun part of my job. Yeah. That's a good but Yeah, I mean, primarily I'm a writer. I'm a memoirist. <laughs> okay. Got it. I was describing, somebody was asking um, just more about you and I was trying to describe them. I was trying to describe you to them. And I was like, honestly, the best way I can figure it out is somehow you found a way to make I feel like a living off of sharing yourself and off of sharing your ideas, which I think is something that's that perfect is stated. so cool. Yeah. I think that's so cool. And so, um, I don't know, it's just awesome. And it's, it's hard to write that down in a job description. So I did now I know what to say. So I'll be able to write that. I just wanted to make sure I did you justice. When I, do <laughs> I didn't want to say anything wrong. I love that though. Cause it's true. And especially being like a little Christian gay boy from the South, it's like yeah. when, 
such a part of my identity was a source of shame and fear. And then for that, for now, me to live in the fullness of myself actually so fully that just doing that is my job is yeah. pretty cool. It's so cool. And I was thinking about that too, because um, I do like to write sometimes, but what I've realized is that I don't think I'm ever going to be a fiction writer. I don't think that's my path. I don't think that that is what I'm going to do. Um, and for a long time, I thought I didn't really have anything to share because I couldn't make up a story. Right. And so it's that hard balance between sharing things about yourself in a way that not just people want to listen to it, but that's helpful. So do you always know what you're like, do you always feel like you're sharing advice or are you just like saying stuff about yourself and it happens to help people? Well, both. I, I think mm -hmm. if, if something feels like it was helpful to me, mm -hmm. then I'll say it because the chances yeah. are it's helpful to someone else, but I don't like consider myself some kind of life coach or like advice giver. I don't, mm -hmm. cause all I know is my own life. I've never lived someone right. else's life. So it's hard. But I'm just like, okay, well, this thinking about it this way or framing mm -hmm. it this way helped me, helped calm my thoughts. So I'm going to say it and then maybe someone else will like it. Yeah, maybe it'll be good for them. Well, it's helpful yeah. for me. I'll say that because I read your first book, To Shake the Sleeping Self. I want to say it was like pre-quarantine. So pre the world ending um, slightly, I guess. <laughs> and it's funny because throughout this season and I've I feel like a lot of people feel this way, but I can just speak for myself. I've kind of had this time of reflection that I never would have had if life wouldn't have changed Same. in this way. And I've been looking at my life and like reconsidering everything. I think it's just, it's just the ability to have time to second guess or to think through things, which usually you don't have time to do because you're running a million miles a minute. And I've been yeah. thinking like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Should I be doing this? Who am I doing everything for? Um, and it's so crazy stressful and part part there are parts of me that just want to like drop everything and like go do something crazy I mean when it's safe to obviously um, but I just think about the whole premise of that book was basically you you know making kind of a drastic decision before you really had to so there wasn't a pandemic that kind of made you I feel like look yeah. back on your life and change everything so can you talk a little bit more about what led you to make the decision to, cause I believe you left your job, right. That you had mm -hmm. to, to take that trip. Yeah. So what well, kind of it, led you there? It led me there just because, well, how old are you? I'm 23. Okay. So there's like, when I was getting into my later twenties, it was really yeah. when I turned 27 where mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, like I'm 27, which means I'm almost 30. Yeah. And, and 30 is like an adult. Mm-hmm is what mm -hmm. it felt like. I was like, <laughs> dang, like when you're in your thirties, like yeah. it's no longer cute to like not know what you're doing. Like you need mm -hmm. to have something figured out. Right. And I, I was just like, I want to look at my life and be proud mm -hmm. of my choices and know that I tried things. And, mm -hmm. and for me, it was like, okay, well, I think I want to be a writer but yeah. I might be bad at it, but <laughs> what if I'm good at it? And right. so I'm going to quit my job when I turn 30 and I'm going to go on some big adventure and write about it because mm -hmm. even if, um, even if I'm a bad writer, at least the adventure will be interesting. Yeah. And, um, and then let's say that crashes and burns and no one cares. I can go back to my other jobs or find another job, but at least I won't be living my life. And then in 30 years from now, I'll be like, wow, I never tried that thing. And am I yeah. a coward? Am I afraid? Mm -hmm. 
And so, yeah, it really was to feel like I was behind the steering wheel of my own life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to really feel that even if it wasn't going to lead to a new career, just to know that I tried yeah. something. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. And do you yeah. feel any of those similar feelings now kind of living through this pandemic and just like we were talking about not being able to travel anymore, not being able to do a lot of the things that you used to. Um, Cause I feel like there are a lot of people who were going to come out of this and they're going to be biking to, I mean, as far as they can, or just doing things that oh, are really totally. extreme. You know what I mean? I've, I've even felt crazy impulses to just drop everything and do what I really want to do or is this what I really want to do I don't know it's back and forth but I think um, you're totally right I think there's going to be a lot of people who make big life changes after this because they were forced to stop and sit and look at their life and Mm -hmm. and also it's a reminder that all of your plans the world might say well you don't get to do that you know like all the people who canceled their weddings who couldn't go to in school for college who couldn't do all these things Mm -hmm. Like they now have this like visceral experience of, oh, like I can make all the plans that I want, but sometimes the universe has a different idea. And so I think that might make people realize, well, all I've got is, all I have guaranteed is today. So I might as well do something that I'm proud of or take a risk. Mm -hmm. I might as well try because it could be all taken away from me. So, right. Right. I, yeah, I think I'm very curious to see what the next five years mm. have for culture, for society, for people, for jobs. I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting season. I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, because I feel like people now, too, are learning there's different ways to work, right? Like you don't have to necessarily run yourself into the ground working and then running around after working and then trying to go all these places after doing it too. So I feel like for some people, it's going to help them understand rest, which I think is good. Uh But I think for other people, they're going to be like, I'm going to have to sleep when I'm dead. I don't want to rest anymore. (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) Which is cool. And it's it's fun to figure out kind of where you fit in that. Um, I don't know. It's also really scary to, to think that it's going to end and then you're going to have all the opportunities to do things or you're like, oh no, it's just an idea. I don't. <laughs> exactly. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Now people that. are expecting me. Well, that was a lot of the impetus yeah. behind when I decided to go on the bike trip. I told mm-hmm. everybody like years early, I was like, okay guys, when I turn 30, I'm doing this thing. Because yeah. like you said, it's scary. And I was like, I'm going to chicken out. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to find some reason mm-hmm. not to do it. So I need to tell everybody that I'm doing this. So they hold me accountable. Oh, a hundred percent. I'll do that for like the smallest things in my life. Like once I start telling people, I'm like, okay, now I got to do what I said I was going to do. It's true. It's like yeah. powerful to speak something into existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really works. Yeah. And I think I used to look at it. I used to just avoid telling people things like that until the last minute. Like if if the roles were reversed, I probably would have been the person where I would have turned 30 and then been on the the road. I would have told everybody, hey, by the way, I'm going to do this. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I think I've reframed my thought and not thinking of it because I think it used to feel like people would be disappointed in me. And that's the way that I looked at it. But now understanding that it's more so just accountability because people care about you and they love you, you know? Do you know what, like, like, what is your career trajectory in the next 10 years? Do you have like, I want to try this, I want to do this, or are you still like looking at things and seeing what's interesting? I'm still looking at things and seeing what's interesting. I struggle a lot with with that question too, because there's what I'm good at, right? Like the nine to five. I know that I, you know, I know what I'm, the path that I'm on right now could work, right? Like I know that I could definitely figure that out, but there's just this, 
I never really saw myself as being a creative person because I, I can't draw. Mm. I don't like knit. I don't do any <laughs> of those things. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quirky in that way, but um, it's been cool. I think with the podcast to see, to actually, to be creative and like watch it play out in a way that I'm yeah. proud of. Right. And the happiness I feel from like finishing editing a podcast and putting it up or hearing someone say the way that an episode touched them doesn't even come close to a good weekday at work. You know what I right. mean? Like that feeling, right? Yeah. But I'm not making any money doing this. Right. <laughs> like I have to have like, you know, there's things, there's other things that are on my head where it's like, well, I got to have healthcare, right? And I need to have a salary and I have to figure out how to pay rent. Um, and so I think the hardest thing is balancing like, okay, there's this thing that I love to do that if I could, if I knew I'd be taken care of and have security in it, I would just drop everything and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's just more of a fear of leaving what you're, what it seems like you're supposed to do. Right. Like I want my parents to be able to say like, our daughter has a job. Like I want to say I have a job, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, it's as simple as that. And that sounds probably like not great, but it's just the way that I feel about it. So I'm, I'm trying to find the balance or, or figure out if I'm screwing myself over by even trying to make a balance out of it, you know? Well, I mean, that's the point of being in your 20s is testing yeah. things out and trying and you cannot possibly know unless you try and you and mm -hmm. the journey of just figuring out what you're good at. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. you don't know if you're good at hosting a podcast until you host one and then right. you're like, oh, well, and then you see how people respond to it and mm -hmm. and you see like if it's sticky or if it leads you to journalism or I don't even know what like yeah what it does it's just figuring out testing the world to see wow what what do I like doing and mm -hmm. what likes me yeah exactly I think it's the what likes me part that I'm trying to to find the balance between um mm. which is so so crazy and I was reading so I've read through ego in your new book which is that first section which is like mm -hmm. you're dropping it knowledge and wisdom <laughs> like I'm taking pictures I'm sending it to my friends I'm like you've got to read this you've got to read this and I want to say okay I'm going to dive it for a second so I think I listened to something where you said are you an Enneagram seven yes okay Full so on. you're exactly like one of my best friends she um the first line I think or somewhere in your book it, it, the chapter starts by you saying you wish you were could live in the mindset of an animal and yeah and as soon as I read that I sent it to her right away and I was like you've literally said this about probably a bird or whatever in the world which to me as I'm a three so for me some of the things it's like I, I'm not there but you're like I what are you talking about there, right yeah sometimes yeah. seems a little wild but but I support it and I think it's so good but your ego chapter has been or section has been really great for me personally right now because I also am in the stage of realizing I don't know if I know myself as well as I thought I did because mm. I think after college I was like I know me like I'm about to take me yeah. into the world like y'all watch <laughs> out right and then me got you know just slapped in the face by a new routine by living in like in DC which was just incredible and is incredible but is also really overwhelming and I was losing my routine. I was losing what I felt like the things that I prioritized were just kind of falling by the wayside. Um, and so reading that chapter has been really helpful for me because I feel like I'm realizing some things about myself by kind of comparing them to what you're saying, right? So mm -hmm. some things I'm like, that I feel. Some things I'm like, that's not really what I feel at all. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, yeah, that's, 
I mean, that's why I love reading is like so often yeah. you read a book and it's like the person is nothing like you, but like how it's such a miracle to be able to get inside someone else's brain and mm-hmm. be like, oh, you think like that? How interesting. Yeah. That's like, did you feel like you reading. were doing that with yourself while you were writing that section of the book, like figuring out new parts of your identity just by writing them out? Or did you kind of already know what you wanted to share? Well, I'm, I am the type of extrovert where mm-hmm. I don't really know what I think until I say it or write it down. Like it's yeah, writing or speaking is very clarifying for me. Like when I have to find the words to explain a feeling mm-hmm. all of a sudden as the words come out, they either sound right or they sound wrong and I have to shape them until they sound right. And then mm-hmm. it's more just like recognizing, oh, there it is. Okay, like I molded the clay and found how I actually feel about this thing. So mm-hmm. writing for me is very helpful in terms of understanding myself. Mm-hmm. It's almost the only way I can. That and like having a conversation, talking to my right. friend. Was there a specific part of it that really stood out to you? So when you think about something you're revealing about yourself or something you're understanding or saying out loud for the first time in your new book, like Streams to the Ocean? Um, I think the, for me, one of the biggest revelations in writing and in that Mm -hmm. season of my life when I was writing it was the discovery that so much of my personality was Mm -hmm. created by what was going on in my life when I was nine and 10 years old, mm, like, yeah. which I learned at, um, in therapy at this place called Onsite, which is this incredible, like experiential group therapy place that is so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. But um, they teach you that they're like top of the planet therapists there teach you that um, the environment and the world that you were in between the ages of eight and 10 is so formative to the rest of your life and your personality, Mm -hmm. whether your parents were abusive or loving or overbearing or you are divorced, or if you had siblings and they were being praised and you weren't, or you were Mm -hmm. being praised and they weren't like all the different things happening in that moment of your life basically sets up the programming for your personality. Mm. And you're like, the way you see the world, which I was like, oh my God, that is so true. And so I write about that in the family chapter and a little bit in ego, I think. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was a big personal revelation for me. That's bizarre too, because I think when I think back, I think those years between, you know, eight, nine, 10, that's probably what I try to push out most of the time. Cause it seems it's, it just reminds me of being, I feel like uncomfortable and feeling like I'm not really understood. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's the first thing you're pushing out of your memory, but that's probably, but that's what, no, what I'm saying is like <laughs> you pushing it out is yeah. probably more, um, has more influence on your personality than you realize. Like mm-hmm. you yeah. being an Enneagram three, you being an achiever, you wanting to be successful, all these things mm-hmm. like you can trace it back to those years and how those mm. years made you feel. Yeah. That like help that explain your motivations as an adult. It's mm. really cool stuff. It's like very helpful. I'm gonna have I to mean, give the name of that the, little therapy group one more time. <laughs> it's called Onsite. It's amazing. That's so cool. Wow. I would have never guessed that those were the years that that would do it. I think most people would assume what, like high school or or time frames that maybe they can remember a little bit. I mean, every year of your life is important and especially yeah. I mean your entire youth is so formative, but mm-hmm. apparently the years of like 
between eight and 10 is it's called like total cognition or something. It's where, mm-hmm. it's where you're all the neurons on your brain in your brain are finally developed and they all mm-hmm. connect. And so it's like, it's where you wake up and you realize yeah. that you're a person and that you're going to yeah. die someday and your mom's going to die. And like, you just start having yeah. all these realizations. I mean, you can remember having them where I remember right. you're like, I'm a back- human. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. Whoa, like, I'm a human. Like the first time you think yeah. that is a really intense th- thought. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm alive. Yeah. Which that is, is cool. so, my, my mom's alive. And my, yeah, that's so, yeah, bizarre. that's so bizarre. That's and so my cool. mom is a, just a person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that can sometimes come much later. Like for me, I think I was mm-hmm. really 23 uh, or, or like 22 or 23 when it really hit me that my mom was just a person, like just a teenager mm. who got older. Yeah. Let me know if this question makes sense to you. It just popped in my head, but whose identity do you think you were trying to mimic or catch on to until you found your own? Is there one specific person or like a type of person that you were trying to match up to mm-hmm. or imitate until you realize like, wait, I'm myself. And that's all I got, you know? I love that okay. question because I mean, cool. par- such a big part of youth mm-hmm. is idolatry and, and not like, I don't mean that in a religious sense into like being obsessed with mentors and like people yeah. that you look up to. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like idolizing people is like such, is such an important step in growth. Cause it's like pointing you in the direction you want to go. But yeah. I think for me and I was obsessed with C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. I do. I'm right in the middle of problems of pain right now. Oh my gosh. So the way that he writes (laughs) and explains things. Yeah, it's intense. I was just like, this is the brain. And I also was like obsessed with his life. Like Oxford professor, like giving talks, just like Mm -hmm. living in a little cute, cottage writing children's books answering letters I just thought it was mm-hmm. so romantic shaking I, the world <laughs> yeah he's he was my hero and yeah so mm. yeah that's how I feel about James Baldwin or I felt about him oh. um when I first read if Beale Street could talk I had no idea what I was reading like I was way <laughs> too young to be reading that yeah book um and I remember not knowing because I I read it I was so young when I read that and I didn't really understand what was going on but I liked the way that the book made me feel because I was feeling these really strong emotions just by the way that he was writing it and by the Uh, way it all came together I don't know have you seen the movie yes okay so the soundtrack is like sometimes I'll listen to it I call them my crazy lady walk so I walk like every day um (laughs) and it's when I'm like thinking and like facetiming there I just I look insane um and on my last one I listened to the entire album the whole way through and it felt like you were watching a movie I don't know if you've done that yet but you should no that's I love that album though and that's a great idea literally my computer computer is sitting (laughs) on your man you're kidding oh that I have that book at my in my office I just just... leave it there for no reason (laughs) Well, he's also a hero of mine too, because yeah. he, he combines <clears throat> writing and speech. Mm-hmm. And I like, a lot of writers are not good talkers. Yeah. Like, they yeah. are super shy. They're introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love talking. 
Yeah. <laughs> so much. Obviously. And Obviously so does he. <laughs> yeah. And like. And he's good at it. He's so good. And, and his thoughts are so crisp. Like mm-hmm. you cannot compete with his mind. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, God, that is cool. Yeah. I learned something new about my connection to him. I think as I grow up, cause I realize I'm still doing that. And so most recently, I think I connected with him really strongly when this past summer after George Floyd had been murdered, there were a lot of protests and I was trying to find my place in that because mm. in just brutal honesty, I don't know that that's it just with the way that I am and my, you know, it's, it's just, it's a scary thing to do. It's an amazing, you know, I'm so amazed and proud of the people that do it. And I want to be right there, but I have a lot of fear when it comes to it. And mm. I felt really siloed in that. Like I felt, I like didn't even want to tell anybody. I was like, this is so bad. Like I need to, you know, push myself and, and do something. And I was watching the James Baldwin documentary, I Am Not Your Negro. And it's on oh, yeah. Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it yet. Okay, yeah. Um, yes. And he's talking about during the civil rights era, how, and the, I hadn't spoken this out loud. Like this was not like the FBI agent in my phone didn't hear it. Nobody heard it. And <laughs> he's talking about how, he felt that way and how he used his writing and his speech giving and the gifts that he believes were given to him to make a change. And he did that. Right. So to me, he seems like a hero in every way, right? Like a writing hero, speaking hero, civil rights hero, but to know that he had a similar insecurity is so bizarre. Right. But that didn't matter when I was 15. Like I wasn't listening to that. I was just reading his books and you know, trying to be mysterious and tell people I like James Baldwin, you know, but it was cool to see, to kind of, I'm, I feel like I'm still kind of growing into um, admiring him, which is cool. Well, there's, um, the lens of history can be um, a little too clear once mm-hmm. like time has passed. And we think that like, oh, the civil rights movement was this one thing and it was so crystal crystallized in Martin Luther King. And if you weren't marching with him, then you were in the wrong and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, just like hearing James Baldwin say like, marching in the streets is not my vibe. Like I don't do that. Yeah. And, and he's like one of the most revered thinkers on racial reconciliation and justice that ever existed. He's so profound yeah. and there's just different roles. And, and I would say that like the whole freaking goal of mm-hmm. racial equity, equality, all of it is the, the thought that someone can be autonomous in their own experience. Like, no, yeah. I don't want to do that. Just because yeah. I'm part of group X mm-hmm. doesn't mean I have to do this thing. Right. Like they exactly. all do because if, if we're really trying to have an equal society, I get to decide mm-hmm. what I do and I get yeah. to play the role I want to play. Right. There's a great documentary called King in the Wilderness. Have you seen it? I don't know it. No. It's, I'm um, I love a good document. I'm obsessed with documentaries, especially too. right now. Um, but it's about, it's really about Martin Luther King and okay. um, Malcolm X and how they like mm. didn't see eye yeah. to eye. And yeah. it's really sort of what I was saying about how like history makes you think things were clearer than they were. Like the, the civil rights movement was like messy and confusing and people oh, were yeah. like, and sort of just like, 2020 and like Mm -hmm. black lives matter and stuff that were like you saw so many activists fighting with each other Mm -hmm. and like cutting each other down Mm -hmm. and you know you're not saying it right or you know you're not allowed to 
speak on this or all these things like there's so much infighting yeah and it's so interesting to see that that's just human nature like yeah that same stuff was happening in the great civil rights movement and king in Mm -hmm. the wilderness goes into it and it's really good I gotta watch. I'm gonna watch it literally tonight. That sounds so stinking good, especially after I watch a documentary too. I'm always really fired up. Like I feel like I'll watch them at night, and for hours afterwards, I'm like researching. I'm in it. I'm trying to I share. Know. It. I'm crazy. <laughs> so I'd love to watch that one. Another great one mm-hmm. is called Oklahoma City. I haven't seen that one either. And it's about the Oklahoma City bombing, which happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the early '90s or mid '90s. And um, it basically traces how that happened. And it has a lot to do with like white supremacist movements and like mm-hmm. Waco and cults. And it's like, it's, one, it's just one of those things where like, I was a little kid when that happened. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember it happening. But now as an adult, I can watch and see the historical context of all these things happening and coming together. Yeah, And it's just, like you said, it just... I, I spent, after I watched that movie, I spent like two hours just reading the Wikipedia pages of like everything. Yeah. You're like trying <laughs> to keep, was on fire. trying to become a whiz on it. Yeah. 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 It was fun. Yeah. That is so fun. And it makes me think of too. So when I first found your Instagram page, it was because you were sharing the work of Kadir Nelson, who I love. Uh, like when I say obsessed, like obsessed I'm trying to figure out how to get a print like I'm trying to do anything I can to get one. Oh my god like that's when you first found me Mm -hmm. yeah when you posted those that series um and I want to let you talk about it too because you know what I'm talking about right when you posted those those the rebel flag that I wore Mm -hmm. on my head yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay I wasn't gonna be the one to say it (laughs) dumbass no I'm kidding I'm kidding um Anyways, that's how I found you. And that was before, that was pre-conversations like that feeling comfortable, right? And that was when like really posting something like that. I feel like now everyone feels pretty empowered to really say what they're thinking. Mm. Um, But even as soon as, you know, I don't really know specifically when it was, but I know that was a time where I was like, oh gosh, like, you know, if I put this on my story, people are about to probably get offended. And then they're gonna, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it didn't, I did, I personally didn't feel as empowered to, to talk about things like that myself. So it was cool to read your perspective on it. Um, and kind of your experience through that. So could you talk to me more about that? It'd be fun to hear you talk about it after reading it. Well, okay. So when I, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah, and I went to a private Christian school, Mm -hmm. which was all white kids except for like two Asian kids. Right. And (laughs) it was in a world, it was the nineties. It was quote unquote post racial. So it was like reading rainbow and like, I didn't, you know, Oprah. And I was like, Oh, we're not a racist country anymore. I just didn't. I really didn't think we were. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I watched the Cosby's and then I watch Oprah and I'm like, what's racism like oh that's a thing that happened in the past (laughs) yeah for sure and it it didn't even really clock to me that I went to an all-white high school Mm -hmm. like I just didn't you know when you're a kid you're not always like analyzing society you're just becoming a person so you're not paying attention for sure so anyway growing up in the south um the my high school mascot we were the rebels and the rebel Mm. flag was our high school Flag. So I don't know if you know this, but I'm from Huntsville. Well, my dad was in the army, so he moved here when I was in high school. Oh. So I'm literally like an hour and a half away from Nashville. Yeah. So it's not that far. And I hear no. what you're saying. Yeah. 
And yeah, so now, now I do remember in the nineties when mm-hmm. I was in high school, I think I was a sophomore. Yeah. Um, it was, we changed our mascot to the Panthers because people were saying that it is inappropriate to have a rebel soldier as your mascot. And there was a big debate in the school being like, yeah, it's Southern pride, it's heritage. And other people being like, they fought for slavery. What are we yeah. talking about? And so then they took that away um, mm-hmm. and made us the Panthers, which thank right. God. But um, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> but I was raised thinking that the rebel flag meant Southern pride and yeah. particularly juxtapositioned with how the Northerners and Californians and whatever think Southerners are stupid like backwoods idiots. And so it was more like, I'm proud of being from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Like I love Mm -hmm. Tennessee. And and so a a rebel flag meant to me was more like, yeah, I'm from the South and it's not embarrassing. It's cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm here. Yeah. And I'm here. And so that's what I knew. And then in college, I started going to, um, Victory Bible Full Gospel Baptist Church, which is a black, Ooh. amazing yeah. church in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, the, I went for the music because it was the, it was like a full on Jasmine Sullivan concert every yeah. Sunday. <laughs> and that's and just on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. And then the pastor yeah. was like so fired up. Mm. And I was like, oh, I love this. And I'm tired of like the hipster churches over in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so I, and, and then like after church, everyone would go to like Mama D's house or Miss Carolyn's house and there yeah. would be food and hanging out and everyone was so kind. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then just one Sunday I went, I, I had this rebel flag bandana mm-hmm. and I just wore it on my head. Like, yeah, I didn't think about it. I was just like, oh, well, I'm from Tennessee. And then I went to church. Imagine this. I went to <laughs> I church. Honestly, my hands are sweating. <laughs> All black church. I have it. There, not one neuron in my brain not is thinking one. about this. No. Okay? <laughs> and I go into the church. And mm-hmm. by the way, I am not super observant in general. Okay. Yeah, so I don't fair. even know how many people were giving me weird looks. It mm-hmm. was probably. 100%. I can only imagine. <laughs> okay. But I didn't, I don't register things like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had befriended Mama D. She was Mm -hmm. like 75 year old, sweet. Yeah. I mean, the the name Mama D, you can picture. That covers it. Yeah. And she (laughs) came over to me and she's like, honey, what's on your head? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, oh, it's a a bandana. And she was like, is that a rebel flag? And I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from Tennessee, so. Yeah. And she was like, like. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I was like, oh, I don't know why you're asking me. Uh-huh. And she was like, she's like, well, you know that the rebel, the Confederacy fought for slavery. It's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's, we don't like that flag much around here. And it just like, it just dawned on me. Like, yeah. oh, I had never really thought about it like that. Like it's like a oh. small connecting piece. You know what I mean? It's so, but it's, it's like, so obvious. It's like yeah, it is. But you know, yeah. I, I mean, similarly, it's like like imagine loving the Wild West and loving mm-hmm. cowboys. 
Like yeah. that's cool. Cowboys are romantic. The Wild West on horseback, mm-hmm. pilgrims, what are what I like covered wagons, Oregon Trail. Like there's one aspect of that which is like, oh, American history, that's so cool. If you're a Native American who's been murdered and your land mm-hmm. was stolen, that mm-hmm. story isn't cute and romantic. That isn't yeah. like that isn't cool. That's actually mm-hmm. like the genocide of your entire culture. Yeah. And so but most people are not even thinking about that. They're just like, oh, I mm-hmm. love cowboys and I love the West and I love like Arizona cactuses. Mm. And so it's just like those neurons had not connected. And it's just, to me, it was this like a teachable moment for so many things. One being um, symbols matter and yeah. it's important to understand what those symbols are propping up and what and, ju- mm-hmm. and what that all that and also the power of a teachable moment in the way mm-hmm. in which you are taught she mm-hmm. mama d just yes. told me the way that bandana made her and other people feel and and she, what she did is she gave me the benefit of the doubt she did not assume i was coming right. in there to like to disrespect yeah no mm-hmm. she didn't just assume that and cancel yeah. me like oh you are secretly racist and this is why you're here to like mm-hmm. uh, whatever she gave me this like she's like oh he must not know yeah. what that means mm. or there's so it, much it, grace in that yeah or he just thinks it means something and i'm gonna let him know what i think mm-hmm. it means mm-hmm. and it was just so generous and graceful and and I did not get defensive at all. Like all the, Mm -hmm. like all the natural triggers to being reprimanded, which are defensiveness and argumentativeness and reasoning into your position. It's like, if you come at someone yelling at them, it's very hard to teach them new information because their pride is hurt. And so they Mm -hmm. dig their heels in where, you know, and then it'd be like, well, that's not what it means. It means Southern pride. And I'm not like, I could have gone that way if she had come at me guns blazing. And she sure. came at me with honey and butter and it completely, I, I, it completely taught me. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. I had no idea. And that's, yeah. there's a whole conversation in activist circles about, and beyond activism, about intent mm-hmm. versus impact. Mm, yeah. And there's a lot of debate around this. I don't know if, if you've heard any of this conversation, yeah. but like, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, did you, well, I didn't intend to hurt your feelings. And then, well, you did. So what matters more? Did you want, intend to hurt your feelings or are my feelings hurt and therefore you're in trouble? And both, yeah, yeah. And both are valid and interesting uh, factors in the conversation because I mean, it, it's, I mean, I learned this in law school. If I mm-hmm. intend to murder you, I murdered you. If I accidentally (laughs) killed you, it's manslaughter. And those are very different. Now, both of those are bad Mm -hmm. and both of those are crimes, but the intention is like a major factor in the punishment, major. Mm. Yeah. But it's also important to know that even if I accidentally kill you and it's manslaughter, Mm -hmm. I'm still in trouble. Ownership. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's a, that just was such a soul expanding story in my life. And yeah. And it just really helped me. And the thing is, it's like the whole conversation about like, 
well, it's not their job to teach me. Like they've lived a hard life and it's my job. Yeah. But at the same time, who else is going to teach? Like, I don't know. For sure. Yeah. I was surrounded by other ignorant people. Or you would have found out, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, well, if it, I don't know if, if it's not the spiritually wise person's job to teach Mm -hmm. And you're asking the ignorant people to magically figure out what mm-hmm. to do, then you ain't getting anywhere. Mm, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. But that was a profound story. Thank you for giving me the chance to tell it. No one's ever asked that me is, that before. Really, that's such a good that that sticks with me so much because I think I I try to understand that story from your perspective and Mama D's perspective mm-hmm. um, because both at the time when I read that were foreign to me because I think I was still in a mindset of finding it difficult to, to keep giving, right. Like to keep giving information and to do so yeah. gracefully. Right. Cause there's a lot of anger in it. Cause you're just kind of like, just, figure it out, you know, but, yeah. but I had a really good conversation. I talked about this in another episode with one of my friends. Um, I was calling him this past summer because I wanted to be affirmed that what I was saying was right. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm tired of these texts. I'm tired of calls. I'm tired of people asking for right. resources. I have no more resources. Like you should right. have been looking at my Instagram story or something. And I expected him to say, yeah, you're right. And instead he didn't say that at all. And he said, well, who, wh- who's going to teach them if they're coming to you? And he's mm. like, and you're in a really unique position. And he says, don't wear yourself out. Like if you need to wait a minute, Or if you want to tell somebody like, hey, just check out this book or, hey, you know, watch this interview or something like that. And then let's talk about how it made you feel. You know what I mean? So that's usually my route. And he was like, but, you know, who are you to hold that in when that person's ignorance could then hurt somebody else? You Mm. know what I mean? And it just completely, it, it was as simple as that. You know what I mean? As simple as him describing it because he started so um, this past summer, he started a book club that like sometimes five people come to it, sometimes 20 people come to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's working through these books and he's having these conversations. And it's just him, this black guy and like a bunch of white people talking about black issues. Mm. Um, and he's taking the time to do it. But not only that, people are taking the time to read the books and they're coming to him and he's like, I'm going to give everything I have. And that was his mm. mindset, you know, and it was just and so I, you know, that post comes back to me and thinking the grace of giving changed your perspective. Right. And I forever. think that it kind of, yeah, forever. Her just saying, her just being kind to you and saying, you know, understanding that, like you said, like intent versus impact. And because of that, it changed it. You put out that story and who knows who read that story and who had like a Confederate flag in their room or has one on their car or something like that and took it off. Cause they were like, totally understand. Right. So it's just so, so bizarre to me. Well, I think that like, Okay, so in some small way, I've experienced what you must have experienced this summer, which is being Christian and fun, which I am. Yeah, I (laughs) I love being Christian and fun. I was the only gay person my entire Mm -hmm. world knew. Like Mm, hundreds of people. I was the only out gay Christian. And so I spent my entire twenties explaining to Christians that gay people are not pedophile murderers. Like is Mm. all I did all damn day. They're like, Oh, you're not like other gay guys. Like, are you going to like molest me or, and I'm like, no, what? Good God. Yeah. And like, and so, but this is what's interesting. Mm -hmm. And it, and it may, 
the labor in it got very old and annoying. And now yeah. it's very annoying to the degree where like, because I'm so deconstructed in my faith journey and like, I've reached this place of like, yeah, reconstruction and blah, blah, blah. When somebody comes at me with the thing, I used to have all the time in the world for the question, how do you reconcile homosexuality with scripture? Like how, mm. how do you, you know, That's a textbook I used to have question. <laughs> all the time in the world. Now yeah. I'm like, girl, I quit asking that question in 2005. <laughs> okay. You either, you go read a you book. You got to get with it or get off. We're further down the road than that question. If you're yeah. still asking that question, you are way, uh, mm. uh, I'm not going back there. And so there's a certain, there's a certain like, of course you're tired and you have every right to be tired and you should be tired and you should say, no, I'm not answering that right now. Yeah. Go, go Google something. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is once I realized that people were coming to me mm-hmm. and I realized, well, these are the people that if enough of them change their mind, we're going to have a different society and a different. Yeah. They'll reflect on it. Somebody else. And it's like, yeah, like yeah. And, and for some reason, me being me has earned their trust where they are sincerely asking mm-hmm. like their brain mm-hmm. is actually in this special malleable moment where they are teachable and mm-hmm. I am the one and vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah. And so, but so, and if that happens enough, what I started doing, and this was really integral in my journey of becoming yeah. a writer mm-hmm. is that I was like, okay, all these people are asking me what I think about homosexuality and scripture and it's getting Mm -hmm. tiring telling them or like what I think about this I'm gonna make a blog post and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. write my thoughts yeah and that was what truly I'm realizing this live as I'm talking to you that (laughs) that is what led me to be a writer was people Mm -hmm. kept asking my opinion about things and I was like I'm just gonna consolidate it in a blog so that I can just be like link I'm sending links. I'll hit you with this link. I wrote about this. (laughs) And so, and so maybe like seeing like your life and your impact, and you seem to have a lot of trust in your community. And that is a place that's a, that's a powerful privileged position where like people look to you to explain the world. And so Mm -hmm. that might be an invitation to being, to writing more to, you know, to creating those resources to the point, to the degree with which you have the space and the energy and the spiritual, whatever time. But um, I see it as like, wow, people are coming to me. Like what, what an honor. Mm. And how do I streamline that honor? (laughs) So I'm going to start writing. Yeah. That's incredible. And I think that's what was one of many of the driving factors of starting this podcast too, because Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't only get to say what I'm thinking, but I feel like through like people like you being on this podcast, people like whoever else, their questions can be answered too, or the questions that they're receiving. Now they have something to share with other people too. Mm -hmm. Right. So if someone's asking something and they've talked, or that's at least what I want it to be. I'm not there yet, but I really want it to be that for people. And I want them to, because it's given me so much peace because I feel like the questions are different now. Like the questions are, Hey, I just listened to this and I've got these questions now. And then it's a back and forth conversation because it's like you're giving and receiving, you know what I mean? And that feels good. That feels really good. It feels so good. And it's just, it's bizarre. And so what's, what's cool about having other people on here is that, um, 
I want it to be something they can send to. Like I had um one of my really good friends, his name is John Blanding. I had him and his partner on my podcast in the last season mm. and they were actually line brothers. They were both alphas during our time at Auburn and mm. they are some of the strongest, wisest, most incredible, you know, people I've ever met, of course, but it's funny because I thought for them, I'd never thought it would be easy. That's the wrong thing to say, but mm. they're so respected, both of them. And they're so just well-liked and well-known and, and all these things that I thought that a lot of the conversations that we were having on the podcast were stuff they'd already shared with people. Mm-hmm. But what I came to find out is it was the first time that they were able to share the way they feel, what they think, what they do as individuals together on that episode. And now, and they got to send it to people and they were like, this is the best way I can describe to you how I feel, what I am. And to, I had a, we got dinner like a few nights after. And when they were telling me about it, I was like, I'm, I cry all the time. So I really try, we were at Barcelona. So I was really trying to not cry in public, (laughs) but, um, you know, they were telling me about it and that's kind of when I realized like, this isn't just a thing for me. So I can stop answering questions. Like, I also hope that other people can use it and send it and, Mm. and, you know, let it be their little piece of info you know well I mean and that is the the tangential beauty of creating things you put something out into the Mm -hmm. world and it can have a life of its own that's yeah I mean writing books is the ultimate ultimate Mm -hmm. cool experience because I write a book and then it's on a shelf somewhere in a town I've never been to and someone picks it up or gives it to a friend and then like right now, hundreds or thousands of people are living inside my mind. That is so spooky. <laughs> it's really it's weird awesome, and so spooky. cool. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Okay, well, I have one more question for you. Um, what would you say is the most, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to frame this question. Um, I don't want to say feedback, but has there been something specific that someone's told you after reading your books or after reading, you know, your blog posts, whatever it might be that keeps you going or something that you think back to maybe when you're feeling like, Oh gosh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Am I good at this? Um, you know, has someone ever spoken that into you by saying they related to it or that it meant something to them? I mean, to be honest with you, I am incredibly affirmed mm, and, and, the, and primarily from my friends because mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by, like my friend group is so smart and cool. Yeah. Like yeah. Wise and clever and they read good books. And so like, I really respect them because I know mm-hmm. them and I know their mind and I know we read the same books. And so right. when they read something that I write and they're like, Oh my God, Jed, this helped me understand something or mm. whoa. That, to me, I'm like, if they like it, I'm doing yeah. it right. Because I think they're a genius. And so mm-hmm. if they think it's good, then I am awesome. That's mm. like, it's just That's so good. It's that feeling of I have surrounded myself with a community of people that I respect. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they respect my work um, is, and, and that is like three dimensional validation where it's like, I know you don't want anything from me. We've been friends for a decade. Right. I know like you can, you can tell me that you don't like something or you can just not say anything at all. Like that's Mm -hmm. so easy just to like be quiet and you're actively reaching out to tell me how something touched you or impacted you or made you feel some type of way. And I'm like, that is, that is cool because ultimately like 
I mean, now we're friends and I know you, but right. if, if a stranger DMs me mm-hmm. or writes me an email and, and writes right. me how much their words, how much my words mean to them, that's an incredible feeling. It is, yeah. but I don't know them and right. I don't. And so it feels really good. Mm-hmm. But that personal connection. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know you. So I don't know mm-hmm. if we have anything in common. Like, I mean, if a QAnon supporter is writing me that everything I say is genius, <laughs> then I'm like, well, Uh-oh. that's a bad thing. So what, what's happening? Yeah. So Yeah. It like the messenger matters. And so, mm-hmm. so anyway, I just having a creative community around me of people that I respect, um, encouraging my work is, yeah. is very validating and profound. Yeah. That's how, that's a lot how I feel too sometimes where before I usually will put out an episode, I'll send it to my friends first, just our little group text. Um, and I, you know, I think they're listening to them. Yeah, they, they do. But just mm-hmm. hearing their affirmation and just hearing their thoughts on it too um, makes me feel better than anything, you know, because it's like sharing it with people who love you, who are still learning about yeah. you, which is cool, you know? So it feels really personal that way. Friends are everything. Friends are everything. I'm obsessed with my friends. They know this though. So do you live in Huntsville? Well, you live in DC, right? I live in DC. Yeah. I've been in Huntsville just relaxing with how crazy DC has been. I'm probably going to head back there pretty soon, but I've just been, I feel like I've been on like a retreat. I've just been hanging out with my parents on retreat. So it's time to wrap retreat up, I think, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Uh, Well, that's awesome. And you're awesome. Well, you're awesome. Thank you so much. This was so great. Um, and I can't wait to finish your book. It's oh so my God. Well, so please like so email me, text me and tell me what you think. I will. It's so good. And I'm going to be sharing it all over my social media. Like I always do so that other people can order it too. Uh, well, thank you. I'm grateful. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I can't see.